The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. All right, Carl, thank you very much, and welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner. Front and center this hour, big tech in focus. Microsoft reporting in just about four hours. Will its earnings keep this early year tech run on track? We discuss and debate that with the Investment Committee. Joining me at the table, everybody's here, Liz Young, Jim Labenthal, Josh Brown, Steve Weiss. Check the markets right now and see how we're doing just past 12 noon in the east as we go to the wall. We're kind of, I feel like we're waiting and seeing here from Microsoft. There's the Dow down about 20. You see what's going on elsewhere. Not a whole heck of a lot. 348, the yield on the 10-year, but a lot's going to be going on. Farmer Jim Labenthal in OT. When Microsoft reports, you own the stock. Significant questions about Windows demand, Azure growth, revenue growth <laughs> slowing. How do you view this as a shareholder today? Um, I expect very little from the report. I expect its impact to the stock and to the markets to be very little as well. I know it's probably not what we want to say at a, at a news organization, but um, well, this is especially if it's wrong. Exactly, Scott. How's the impact on the, on the market? Five seconds in. How, 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 I mean, I'm gonna, yeah, I mean, that's oh, like when wow. you, when you rip. Is, this is so us, But you, you take the needle right off the record when, yeah, yeah, yeah. when you say something like that. Uh, do you, you, really your, think, you really think it's not going to mean much for the stock or the market? Microsoft earnings, I, considering how tech has started this year? Hang on, i got to get my laughter back under okay. control. But, yes, that is exactly Why? what I think. I, what I'm conveying to you and to our uh, viewers is I'm – Honestly, not that interested. And you may say, well, why own it at all? I own it at about 2.7% in portfolios. That's less than half of what the S&P 500 market is. And you may say, well, why own it at all? The answer is I'm underweight tech, and I don't know if I could get more underweight. Uh, where my tech exposure is going to be is going to be in the big leaders. It's going to be in Apple. It's going to be in Microsoft. It's going to be in Google. But I just, what I'm telling you, Scott, and it doesn't mean that I'm right. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm calling it for the market. I just don't care about Microsoft. I care about Boeing tomorrow. I care about what Tesla is going to do in its earnings, even though I don't own it, because I think that's more important as far as, as its impact to the market. But Microsoft trades at 23 times forward earnings. It's Microsoft. It's not going away. It's a fabulous company. We might argue, is that multiple too high? Maybe by two turns, but let's not freak out about it. That's what I'm saying. You got me freaking out. already. It's like two minutes and 27 seconds. Couldn't you have Crazy. said at, at 325 a share, couldn't you have also said, it's Microsoft that's not going anywhere? Thank I, you. I think you would have been wrong. I think you would have been wrong. Look, well, no, I, look, I know look, you would look, have been look, wrong. Look, I, and I'm not arguing with you or with Scott. I am saying that, you know, I trimmed Apple in September. I've been underweight tech all of last year, right? I can't, you know, I could conceivably get out of technology altogether, but it's not I mean, what I'm doing. It sounds like he got one foot and four toes out the door. It sounds that way, doesn't it? Can I just say, right? one, I just say one thing? Uh, Microsoft is a fabulous company. There's no, I don't think anybody on the desk would say that there's anything wrong with the, the company itself. But even the best companies go through periods of time that are just not a great environment for what they do. And Microsoft is no different than any other enterprise slash consumer technology company. 
Uh, the pandemic basically pulled three years worth of demand into 10 months. And ever since, like literally going back to February of 2021, every company in this industry has been working off that pull forward. And the fundamentals don't have to completely deteriorate in order for that multiple to come down lower. International Data Corp said PC shipments in the December quarter probably down something like 30 percent. Microsoft. Yeah. So Microsoft, as great as it is, is going to be susceptible to that environment. And there's nothing, nothing, no evidence telling any of us that that environment is changing materially into Q1. And in fact, I think the risk a, is probably to the downside. So I think it's a good point. nothing wrong with Microsoft, plenty wrong with the environment in which it has to operate in, at least in the first half of this can year. I, it sold it, what, a week ago or yeah. so? Yeah, well, I traded it. Um, and you traded for that jacket? <laughs> I understand your aversion to fashion, Jim. I understand it. But here's what I'd say. First of all, I'm surprised you're saying that Tesla would have more of an impact on the market than Microsoft. Tesla's more in a niche we'll, we'll category. When I take a look at Netflix and the impact that, I, that it had in the market by putting up such a good quarter, which kicked off this rally last week and continued into this week, uh, I'd say that Microsoft has more potential for knock-on effects, either positive or negative, to the market than Tesla for sure, and even Boeing, which again is a niche business. In fact, while Boeing was going down dramatically, the market continued to rise. So I think I think you're you're wrong like about those. Well, I don't know. But, I feel like Jim's point is is let's try and distill it a little bit more because right. I feel like you can make a case for what he's saying by virtue of Tesla was like at a hundred bucks. That's my point. It's a hundred and forty right. bucks. Right. And all of those stocks in that same sort of arc universe, if you want to put them in there, have rallied so dramatically that maybe it does have right. a, a greater impact to the market right now because of the stocks that have gotten you to where we are today anyway. But except Microsoft has, while it's come down quite a bit, it's also bounced off the lows quite nicely. Already. It has, but Number it's been one. the worst performer of the big tech stocks right. year to date. Right. When everything and else has rallied, Microsoft's done nothing. It's up 1%. Right. But it's Didn't still go down up as much versus, versus like the security stuff. Went down like, a lot, though. Like, you know, we look at security stocks. We'll talk about them later. But in terms of Microsoft, I agree with, with Josh that, uh, look, things have not gotten better there. In fact, they've gotten worse. They've telegraphed that for you. They have. As has AWS, not only by the obvious of the headcount cuts, but by the fact now they are entering to deals, whether it's with the state of Virginia or whatever, to deploy substantial amounts of capital, which I can guarantee you then turn to guarantees on contracts. So, so I think you have to be very cautious. Okay, so you've, you've heard what the, the group thinks here. What do you think? Well, so first of all, Microsoft already kind of prepared us for them to miss, right? They prepared us for not really a great message, going to lay off 10,000 people by the third quarter. I don't think anybody's expecting much from big tech earnings this quarter. And the market is ready for that. It's no secret that tech is under pressure. It's no secret that tech needs to cut costs. And the criticism for most of tech has been that they don't know how to cut costs and they're not doing it fast enough. I think Microsoft has gotten ahead of that a little bit. The big thing that I think investors need to think about, and yesterday was a pivotal day, and I think there was a headline today that got buried in this volatility halt this morning, 3M laying people off too. Oh, we're going to get 2, to 500. that. We're going to get to that. The fact that it's bleeding into other sectors now mm-hmm. is the canary in the coal mine. And what I, what I think investors really need to focus on is if you're going to be a bull on parade because of a 30-point breakthrough in the S&P that lasted one day, it's like you brought a Toyota Camry to the Indy 500, right? 
there's not enough weight of the evidence to be a bull in this environment and decide that this can last because the fundamentals of the economy haven't changed. There are a ton of signals screaming recession or at least screaming downturn and to be cautious as an investor. So I just would be careful to look at some of these rallies, even if they last two to three weeks, be careful to look at them as a signal that things are okay. Big, the big five, the big, uh, the big five uh, S&P stocks, which is Meta and um, Apple, a- Amazon, Microsoft is in the group, and Alphabet, are actually up double the S&P so far year to date. Mm-hmm. I know it's only January 20, whatever, um, but they're up 11.6% year to date. The S&P is up about 46 So they have absolutely had a really nice bounce. And if you deconstruct... Um, you know, the individual names, the ones that were down the most are the ones that have bounced the most. And for me, that's classic bear market behavior. It's, it's not, it does not signal, and now it could continue, but it does not signal um, statistically at least that anything really has changed here. Uh, and I think the big question with Microsoft is the low was November 3rd, which is a while ago now. And that low is, I, I think, within, I don't know, 15% or so. Could Microsoft... Mm-hmm trade below that level, and if in fact it does break that level, where there had been support for a while, what does that mean for the overall market beyond just Microsoft? Some, and I, I would say it's not great. Some would say that these aren't even the stocks that you should be looking at today. It's the chips that, Jim, speak to what is a more important group right now to the market's performance. That's what Wolf is talking about today, and some others as well. Mark Newton, uh, for example, who's going to be on with us in, in overtime today, has a note out about the breakout in the in the chip space and how it needs to be respected from a technical standpoint. I do think it needs to be respected. I look at it more from a fundamental point of view. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I know you covered the Barclays note yesterday. Yesterday was quite a, a breakout day for the chips. Look, when I think of chips, I think of cyclicality. Now, I realize I'm the outlier on this table today when I say this, but I don't think the cycle is close to being over yet. I am, of course, aware of what the Fed has done, but I'm aware of what the economic statistics are showing, whether it's GDP growth or the labor market or CapEx plans that have been announced and are in place right now all of which leads me to believe that the economic expansion that came out of the pandemic is going to continue. And that's why cyclical sectors like the chips, which were absolutely devastated last year on the perception that a recession is imminent, are starting to stage a comeback on the belief, right or wrong, that a soft landing is in place. Now, I know everybody disagrees, and I see people, you can't see it on this on this <laughs> shot, but people are just clamoring to I jump in I am a statue. Here. Yeah. <laughs> well, Josh is, but well, Steve's about the to reason, lose it. The reason they, they disagree is because the evidence seems to be mounting in many respects against your view, whether it is yesterday's NABE survey, which said the following to your CapEx mm-hmm. thesis, mm-hmm. The outlook for hiring and CapEx spending is turning decidedly negative. Sales and expectations for sales have fallen below pandemic levels. That was yesterday. Then you can listen to the uh, CEO of 3M today, Mike Roman, their earnings, right? He, they gave a sobering view of the economy, far from the rosy one that, that you give, right? They, give, they cut yeah. their full-year EPS in revenue of the consumer. All businesses' sales declined organically due to lower consumer spend. Quote, rapid declines in consumer-facing markets. Quote, expect macroeconomic challenges to persist. So what do you want to say to that? So here's what I want to say is the data, whether it's economic or profit-related to me, seems a mixed bag. And why this is important is because the markets, particularly in the second half of last year, were pricing in a very dire outcome that is not in line with a mixed bag of economics. Now, 
I heard everything you said. I'm not denying those are facts. Those are facts, what you just wrote, what you read, rather. But what I'm saying to you is, to me, the most important thing is jobs. You've heard me say this before. I'm going to say it again. Jobs fuels consumption, fuels this economy, which is the engine of growth in the global economy. And by the way, China. But see, you have to focus on jobs because it's the it's the not maybe not the one, but the one of a couple strong areas of the economy that's still holding up. But it's also a lag. Right. And the leading economic indicators are all ugly of late. And, you know, who are you going to listen to? Mike yeah, Roman of, yeah. of 3M? Yeah. Go, 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 or finish or the, the job and market? Jerome Powell. And Jerome Powell I'm, says I'm, I'm going to say this. For real. I, I'm, I'm not going to. totally serious here. I'm, and I'm being serious back and I'm not purposely being catty. 3M is also meaningless to me. And this should not be something ostentatious. All right. The stock is exactly where it was 10 years ago. It has but, done nothing. But, well, wait a minute. It is a but, $64 billion not the stock, market cap. But the, com- the commentary, but not the Scott, stock. So, but Scott Kirby of United Airlines, he's really meaningful to you because he tells your story. That the planes are full, but 3M is meaningless here, here, to you? Here, here is my Which point. Which touches, you know, is a consumer-facing and industrial-facing business? Yeah, I'm telling you that 3M is not relevant. And what's going on in the economy right now? Yeah, services are what's driving this economy right now, not Post-its. That's exactly right. You can't cherry-pick what's meaningful to you based upon what fits your narrative. You have to look at all the data. Look at the temporary jobs numbers, temporary workers. Okay, you had 180,000 temporary worker jobs cut. Now, obviously, that's where you can stress up when you're hiring, when employment's full, you hire temporary workers. Who are the first to go? Temporary workers. So we're seeing that. Next will be full-time workers. But you can't, you, you, everybody wants to quibble with, with the Fed and said, Powell's wrong, Powell's wrong. Doesn't matter whether he's right or wrong. It matters what he's doing, what the Fed's doing. And what he keeps saying and what he's said without interruption is, I'm hitting the job market because that's where the economy is really going to have to take a hit in order for inflation to come down. And that's what's going to happen. So we see time and again, we're seeing it in increasing NPL reserves by the banks. We hear what they're talking about. And by the way, data doesn't go from from great data to terrible data. It goes to a mixed bag first. And then it goes to really poor uniform yeah, but data. The markets, oh, have, gone, the markets have gone to As totally saying, bad hold on, Cowboy. Is Texas, hold on. Is Texas <laughs> Instruments true. relevant to the story? Because they but, report yeah, yeah, yeah. in overtime tonight as well. Yes. Some would suggest that maybe they're the most important one of all. They're not the sexiest, but they're certainly the, the way that they touch different areas of the economy, autos, which you're into, and, uh, and elsewhere. I mean, Texas Instruments is mainly memory, okay? We know this is like, you know, washer machines, toasters. We know that's not a growth area right now. You think about the other sectors of the chip sector that are going into things like AI, uh, gaming, that sort of stuff. I mean, that's, that's where the Game growth really is. But, but um, look, I, I'm sorry. I've got th- this thing about mixed bag and, and the um, implication that I'm cherry picking. What I'm saying about the mixed bag is there's more than just jobs. And by the way, the jobs, when you look at initial weekly claims, that's right now. Okay, okay well, what else but is there? Inflation, was inflation, the last six months, 0.9% on headline CPI. And you can keep talking about Chairman Powell, but what he should be doing, and yes, I'm going to say what he should be doing because we're supposed to predict the future, is looking at 0.9% over the last six months and saying, hey, guess what? That annualizes to below 2%. Can I throw a couple yes, people please. a bone here? I'll, Jim, I'm going to throw you a bone on the timing of this. So you said the economic expansion can continue for a little while. If you look at the indicators and just the way that the timing usually works, Steve, to your point, temporary hires have fallen actually since August, right? That usually yep. leads 
unemployment by six months, which would suggest next month is when it hits the labor market because we know it lags. Things like PMI, services PMI fell into contraction finally in December. For the last three recessions, the recession started the month before that happened. So right now, all the indicators are pointing towards maybe right now being the beginning of the recession, if that's the way it works. We're not going to find that out until June or July, right? We're going to get a GDP number uh-huh. this week that says it's strongly positive. So people may believe that the expansion is continuing. But in reality, we're in this sort of slowdown. What I think is, is really crucial to pay attention to is the jobs market, because it will slowly show cracks. It will slowly roll over. And we're hearing it in the headlines already. The market eventually follows that, but it'll happen what's it, sooner what's really, rather than What's later. really interesting about what you're saying is it is undoubtedly already a white-collar recession. Yeah. Like Goldman Sachs, Microsoft, Amazon. Uh, granted, not everyone being laid off is a white-collar person, but just generally speaking, when tech, media, telecom is in the headlines every day letting people go, you don't have to lose your own job in order for you to change your spending habits. And that happens not gradually. That happens on a dime. Yep. A household sits down and they say, hey, Bob down the street got laid off. Your brother-in-law got laid off. Maybe let's chill out. You will eventually see that when the airlines shock everybody. Oh, wait, it's not as strong as it was last month. You will eventually see that. The problem for us is we look at the economy monolithically. We get a jobless number. We get a jobless claims number. We get an NFP number. And it's the whole thing at once. But in reality, you can have regional recessions, mm-hmm. right? And you can have industry by industry recessions. But eventually, they do spill over. It's very rare that you get like what we had in 2015, 2016. The oil industry had its own recession. It didn't spill over to the rest of the country. And that was self-contained. And it healed itself eventually when prices recovered. But if you lived in Oklahoma and Texas at that time, no matter what you did for a living, oil or not, you felt as though you were in a recession. So I think we're in the early stages of that for Wall Street. I know we are. Right. Uh, for private equity, for venture capital, um, anything that's venture funded, in, in, in fact. And it's hard for me to believe because these are the highest spending people in the economy. So, yes, demand for truck drivers and, and tour guides and airplane pilots. I understand all of that. <laughs> It'll get there. That's like where the puck, I think, is going. And so it's really hard to listen to the CEO of an airline tell you how packed the planes are and not be like, dude, don't you understand the people who spend the most on travel are already getting fired and cutting back? Like, don't you see that this is an eventuality? Those, were booked, those tickets were booked a while ago, not today. Yeah, people but, don't but, travel but, but, based on how they feel know, that can I just, well, well, hold on, because yeah. I, I want to say you own Union Pacific. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to that later, but let's just do it now. Yeah. Right. Needs They're labor. not telling your story either. Well, I, look, the problem is a lot of uncertainty as we enter 2023. You can hear it and see it across all across the board in many markets. That's what their chairman said on the earnings call. Well, listen, there's caution being spoken by CEOs all over the place. But what they're not saying is that there is some calamitous decline. Now, uh, Scott, excuse me, Josh, you just made an excellent point. You know, it happens gradually and then it happens all at once. But what my point is, and this is important, is we've been waiting for the all at once for nine months now. I mean, you go back to April, May, when, when Amazon had that disappointing quarter at the end of April. That's when people said, here comes, here comes the recession. And here we are. We're like nine months down the line. And I'm still sitting here. This is factual. Initial weekly jobless claims. Now, this was last week, 190,000. I hear everything you're saying. I'm not disagreeing with the concept. All I'm saying is that the facts aren't adding up right now. And to everybody Black who Rock says, says that. One, one, wait, real quick. Real some, quick. This is Just, apropos to what you're saying. BlackRock says that about half of the stimulus money 
uh, that went to consumers, about half of it has been spent down, which implies the other half is still exactly. there. Right. And exactly. you're starting to see more and more spending go on to credit cards. And again, we, we may not like the cadence in which that shows up, but show me a recession where it didn't eventually show up. One quick point here, all right? Because, right. listen, a lot of great points are being made here by everyone. You know what one of the best performing stocks over the last year is? Ferrari, okay? And it continues. It's almost at an all-time oh, high here. For, no, no, I, I, hold on. Hold your horses, cowboy. Um, you might scare the horses with that jacket. Um, look, if all of the white-collar, high-paid people are being laid off, explain to me Ferrari going through the roof. Yeah, I'll explain to you. White-collar workers don't buy Ferraris. Let me explain. Sheiks and sultans buy Ferraris. Let me explain. Ferrari has a long term order book, they sell 20,000 units a year, okay? That's not what you're going to base an indicator of the global economy on Ferrari. You're done, Jim. Let me just go on, okay? Nobody's been waiting, including me, who's been the most bearish. Josh's been the most bearish, and I'll take the liberty to speak for him. We weren't expecting a cataclysmic event to happen at one time. CEOs never say there's a cataclysmic event out there. They didn't even say it during the pandemic. They didn't say it during 08. They said, hey, we'll get through this. So if that's what I mean, what Diamond did, did say hurricane. I got an important He did question. say hurricane. He did say I got and then, and then back back important. Let, let me finish. Can I, can I finish? The only thing that gives me some optimism now, I'm not positioned for the optimism, is that you saw a nice bounce in the market today. I don't know if it'll close green like we're seeing now or close red. But maybe the dialogue's upside down. What I've been given a lot of thought to is that maybe we get through, the market gets through the first half okay, and then we really get zapped in the second half as you see well, the tightening cycle. Well, you've been having that conversation more recently of late, that it's turned on its head, the forecast, Right. right? Tough first half, better second half. In reality, maybe it's It's because of M2. It's not complicated. We would have already been in recession. Listen, in May of 2022. Make this the last point. We're taking a break. The the Fed said we're not currently considering 75 basis point rate hike. And they did four of them in a row. We would already be in recession if not for the fact that corporations and individuals, households, both went into this tightening cycle in the best balance sheet shape they have ever gone into an, an economic tightening or a slowdown or whatever you want to call it. It's never happened before. Just like everything else about this pandemic era, we have never seen consumers with this much cash go into a tightening cycle. We have never seen companies with this much financial flexibility. It's never happened. So, of course, the length of time for us to see the tightening show up in the fundamentals is delayed. Why wouldn't it be delayed? You Your, got, you Your beg, Honor, you beg I, for the time. So I go. just, I just want to know. If, We're going to have to if, leave it there. I just want to know if Mr. Weiss here bought that jacket from 3M. Dude, That's all you, I want to know. You literally made me yes. give you more time yes. for that. Get yes. him out of here. Get him out of here. It's enough. Oh, Come right on, here. enough. Throw him in the bedroom. He's like begging for time during when you're talking. I'm like, all right, all right. Serge right, Scott. I wouldn't have given him a, a second. All right, up next, the downgrade for one retail company warning a reset is coming for that stock. Shares off more than 20% from recent highs. Weiss owns it. We debate it. It's our call of the day next. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. 
If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. We're back. We showed you a mystery chart, and there it is. It's a Lululemon, mm. down near 2%. It was downgraded today to underperform at Bernstein. They say that company has a reset coming. We made it our call today. Weiss, you own it. You've been trimming it lately, but nonetheless, you do have it. They say the expectations versus reality gap has been our biggest concern this past year. And again, they, the, this reset is coming. Yeah, so just... The short history on it is that when they reported and margins were the issue with them because they beat top and bottom line, uh, the stock traded down significantly, I think about 286. So I took the opportunity to buy some for a trading position. Uh, and my view was that this stock is sort of, you will, counter cyclical to the market, actually holds up fairly well. And that's been the case. Now, the Bernstein analyst actually was the only one that I'm aware of to flash that issue in the last quarter ahead of it. So you got to pay attention to what the analyst says. However, frankly, I had trimmed it yesterday. I had trimmed some on Friday, but I bought more this morning around the open because the stock was down like 13 bucks. So I have slightly more right now. I sold part of that trading position. I have slightly more. I'm probably going to stick with the rest for now because I think it's a quality product. And I think why are you still playing around here, though? If you if you are worried about a consumer deterioration happening, they suggest there's no more pent up demand and there's a more cautious consumer outlook, which Uh, which you yourself have said. I I think it's bifurcated, frankly. Number one. Number two, I think still believe, even though we got Aloe and some other products, Athletica, a moat around their business and they still do quite well. And my equity exposure is relatively low. So I like is to buy Allo, damaged stocks. Is Allo taking meaningful share? Because no, I'm nobody seeing is. it everywhere. Yeah. Meaningful share, no, because Lulu's got such large share. Right. But yes, they are taking some share. Okay. But, but this, it's, it's also a premium price product to Lulu. So that puts them in a different category. I don't shop there. Lulu has a husky section that Allo doesn't. So <laughs> right. I'm, I'm still a Lulu man. So. You like the, the, the whale brand. Yeah, the, the whale brand. Not, no uh, offense. I mean, not, well, I don't mean it like that. I really did not mean it like that. <laughs> you mean the Carvel thing? Hey, hey. Are you talking about fudgy? Oh, that. Scott, what is that again? Vineyard Vines. Vineyard Vines. It's got plus size clothing. It's got the whale on it. Dude, he I has an endorsement contract with him, actually. I feel terrible. <laughs> I swear. I swear I did not mean that. Like that. <laughs> Wait, the, 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 the microphone guy's laughing? <laughs> the newsroom is laughing. You guys are like, come newsroom. back to the studio, Josh. The We're not remote anymore. Come back. Retail. Liz Young, retail. Yo. Yeah. My uh, bad. I love you. Look, <laughs> I, I feel better now. If, if you remember, <laughs> December 1st, I said to sell consumer discretionary. That was largely based on retail. I didn't have a positive outlook on retail. I think the consumer is still going to get hurt a lot here. And to Josh's point earlier, it can happen on a dime. You buy retail when we're confident that 
we know the economy is actually headed for the bottom. And that, I think, still has a few months. That's when I would get bullish on retail. Not right now. All right. Jim Labenthal, what about you? What about this name, Lulu? Uh, it's never been my type of stock. I've just simply never understood the multiple. That does mean I haven't made money in it. But I, I you know, I can't. I, this 30 times multiple. Look, that's kept me out of a lot of retail stocks, like a Costco. I will say though, to a question that you're asking everybody else, like I do think we're supposed to start snooping in retail for something to pick up. Um, that's at the top of my radar list, not Lululemon retail in general. Um, but I just I haven't found something to pull you don't the trigger. Own any retail names? No, no. General general parts, uh, genuine parts. Excuse me. I wouldn't really characterize that as retail. I don't. Nor, nor would I. All right, coming up, a new buy for Weiss, and it's in the cybersecurity space. We'll find out his trade, plus where the committee stands on the group. That's coming up next. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to the Halftime Report. I'm Bertha Coombs. Here's our CNBC News update at this hour. Ukraine dismissed more than a dozen senior officials today in the biggest shakeup of its wartime leadership since Russia's invasion nearly a year ago. Reuters reports that some of those dismissed had been linked with corruption allegations. The doomsday clock, which supposedly indicates the perceived likelihood of a nuclear catastrophe, has moved closer to midnight. The clock has been moved forward to 90 seconds before midnight, the closest it's been at any other time in history. The Science and Security Board of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists says the move was, quote, largely, though not exclusively, due to the war in Ukraine. And Walmart, the country's largest private employer, announcing today it is raising its minimum wage for store employees to $14 an hour. The increase is roughly a 17 percent jump. The company says it will bring the average wage to more than 17.50 an hour. Scott, All right. back over to you. Bertha, thank you. That's Bertha Coombs. Now to Eamon Javers in Washington with breaking news for us. Eamon. Scott, the Department of Justice and eight U.S. states have just filed a lawsuit, an antitrust lawsuit against Google, alleging uh, uncompetitive practices in the ad tech market. This filing just dropped within the past couple of moments. It is 153 pages long. The key to this filing uh, appears to be this argument from the Department of Justice. They say competition in the ad tech space is broken for reasons that were neither accidental nor inevitable. One industry behemoth, Google, has corrupted legitimate competition in the ad tech industry by engaging in a systematic campaign to seize control of the wide swath of high-tech tools used by publishers, advertisers, and brokers to facilitate digital advertising. The DOJ here going on to say that Google has inserted itself into all aspects of the digital advertising marketplace and used anti-competitive, exclusionary, and unlawful means to eliminate or severely diminish any threat to its dominance over the digital advertising technology. So that's the nut here of the case that the Department of Justice 
this is making against Google. This marks the second time in consecutive administrations that the United States has sued Google. You remember that the Trump administration, Department of Justice, sued Google as well. Now comes this filing today. We'll wait to see what Google's response is to it. But this is the opening salvo in what could be a very long battle, Scott. Back okay. over to you. Eamon, thank you. It's Eamon Javers uh, for us there. Josh, you want to just take this real quick? I mean, uh, is this just write a check, no big whoop for the stock or what? I mean, that seems to have been what's gone on with all of the tech giants. It seems like periodically there's going to be some aspect of their business that comes under the, the microscope. But one of the toughest challenges that um, the antitrust authorities have had with these companies is that the consumer likes it. Uh, so the consumers are, are not generally being harmed by a lot of the things that regulators go after, investigators go after. And so a lot of these things just tend to be like, all right, let's settle, write a check, promise you won't do this, divest that. None of this stuff has really had a material bit, uh, effect, at least not on uh, Alphabet. So it would be hard for me to say, yeah, this is the one that permanently alters their business. Right. By yeah. the way, we're, we're a user of, of Google's, you know, ad products. Like we're we, we use it professionally, and then as consumers, we like when we're served relevant ads. Like, we're not like, oh, this ad's perfect right. for me. I hate that. Right. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, the trouble with the cases, in my view, that, uh, that the antitrust uh, laws are set up to protect the consumer. Anti-competitive practices would shrink the business and protect the consumer. But the, you're not really hitting the consumer here, right, because those costs are already very low, number one. My bigger concern, as I said before, is the case in front of the Supreme Court now challenging their exemption from liability for what goes out in their site, this in particular right. about, about, and there's bipartisan support for that. That opens up the liability floodgates, and this is in particular about a death of, of a young woman uh, as a, from ISIS, I believe, that uh, the Supreme Court's agreed to hear. So that potentially is- That would be worse, though. So, yes. Google, so Google is indexing articles. Right. Facebook has news living on the site. Twitter as well. Twitter, exactly. That would be a bigger issue for those two names. Right. Okay. Uh, JP Morgan, let's move on. Out with a bullish note today on cyber. We bring it up because Steve Weiss has bought a cyber stock, right? You bought Palo Alto? It's one yeah, of the I, stocks they initiate, price target. They have 195, and they, they have a group today that they like. Right. Talk to me. So, so I hope to size up after they report earnings. They're, they're a, uh, a fiscal year. They're halfway done. They'll report it, uh, I think, sometime in the, towards the end of February. Uh, look, this is, to me, the gold standard in security uh, software companies. They've, they've done quite well. This trades more on a free cash flow basis and only 12 times. It's pretty cheap for this company, considering it's growing cash flow 25 times. Not cheap overall, not cheap in terms of the way I look at things. But I've looked for a foothold here. You can't go a day without seeing where there's somebody that's being hacked and meaningfully. And you've got now a burgeoning insurance market as well for cyber crimes, cyber issues, that I think help support more payment to these companies. So overall, the market continues to expand exponentially. I want to get some representation. You plan on being crushed. around here? You plan on being around for a while? Uh, I, I do. only ask you I, that because yeah. I don't want somebody to see this and say, well, I'm going to buy it because he likes it, and then you sell it Nobody a should days. ever be doing that. No, I know no. that, but whatever. No. But obviously. So, but, so let me, I'll, answer, like, I'll answer days, directly. And they're like, oh. So, so right now, the answer is yes. If it gets crushed in earnings, which I don't anticipate, uh, I will buy more. However, if, it, if the return becomes exponentially ahead of itself, then I'm going to get out. So, you know, this is the kind of market I view right now and for the foreseeable future is that when you have some, some good profits, take them. Okay. 
CrowdStrike is on the list, Josh, 125, uh, as they initiate that one, too. That's You still own that? I do, and uh, this is my favorite name in the space, but I, I agree with Steve. Broadly speaking, this is, I think, the area within enterprise software that probably suffers the least from the macro environment. If you have a, a cybersecurity incident, that's not like an inconvenience. That's game over for most small and mid-sized businesses. And for large businesses, the price tag attached to a massive breach is like 10x the price tag of just getting the right software in place and, and, and getting everyone that works at the company secured. So I think that there's a defensive characteristic to this part of enterprise software. It has not shown up in the stock prices. In fairness, the, these stock prices have come down as much as every other uh, type of yeah. SaaS uh, software. But I do think in a tough environment this year, these companies, at least fundamentally, will hold up better than others. All right. Straight ahead, we have trades on some of today's biggest earnings movers, plus the Dow stock reporting tomorrow. It's one of Jim Labenthal's stock summit picks for this year. We're back in just two minutes. All right, we're back. Let's talk about some defense earnings today. Raytheon, Lockheed, both higher following their earnings. Jimmy, you got Raytheon right there up 2%. Yeah, so Raytheon, I listened to the call. There's a lot going on here. I'm going to try to simplify this. Aerospace, commercial aerospace, doing very well for them. Defense, ah, eh, not so good, okay? So um, the sales growth and the margins are not good in defense. They're going to reorganize their two defense segments into one. That makes sense, but when you hear something like that, what that means is this is a year of management execution. This management over the last three years has done an excellent job of merging United Technologies and Raytheon. I expect them to continue to do excellent execution in the year ahead. Josh, you picked aerospace and defense as your summit pick for the sector. Yeah, uh, this is one of the best looking sectors in the market right now. It's only 5% off its all time high, which was pre-pandemic, not in 2021. These stocks are just chugging along. All of their charts are up and to the right. I think Jim is going to nail it on uh, Raytheon. Raytheon is 20% of the ITA ETF, which I own. The next 15% holding in there is Lockheed. Both of these stocks look fantastic. I think uh, Raytheon said something like six years worth of missile inventory went into the Ukraine war in 10 months. Um, the, the replacement cycle alone. And then you've got new co- countries that had not been arming themselves for 60, 70 years, like Japan and Germany. Now they're customers. Um, so I think the outlook is amazing for the whole space. Um, Raytheon board approved a $6 billion buyback, paying a 2.3% dividend currently. Uh, I think there could be 20% higher in this name. It's not a tech stock. It's not going to happen in one day. But if it breaks 97, 98, that was resistance pre-pandemic. It was resistance last year. Mm-hmm. If it gets above that level for a third time, I think there are no sellers there. Boeing tomorrow morning, right? Yeah. Earnings? I want no drama from this. And and there's been a lot of drama. I've been saying for quite Not some lately. time. lately. I mean, well, everything's been straight up stock move. Yeah, I should, stop, I should stop talking about too. it, right, because I'm jinxing it. You're exactly right. November, I think it was November 13th, they had uh, the investor day. And from that moment, with their guidance for the next few years, stock's taken off. Now, this is the first earnings report since then. Don't mess it up. Don't give me some wild charge on Air Force One or the Pegasus tanker. Please don't do that. Just execute. All you need to do is meet expectations that you've set Boeing and you're going to continue to fly. How much is already in the stock? Uh, There's more to come. And really what this comes down to, the key metric, assuming no goof offs here, is deliveries of planes. How many planes are they delivering? How many deliveries are they going are they going to make? Because that's what generates free cash. flow. Liz, where are you on industrials? Well, there's a couple things. So industrials, if you look at the transports, that that old relationship, right, transports versus the industrial sector, 
Transports tried to make a little comeback. They failed just recently to do that, which I think a lot of people wanted that to be the cyclical indicator that we were kind of out of the woods. It's not working yet. I'm not ready for industrials yet. All right, up next, Mike Santoli joins us with his midday word. Plus, we are getting ready to grade your trade. Email us, askhalftime at CNBC.com. You can tweet us as well. Use the hashtag GradeMyTrade. We'll be right back. Senior markets commentator Mike Santoli. There he is from the New York Stock Exchange for his midday word. Is this, do you think, now a wait for Microsoft? What's going on here? Well, we're waiting for a series of things. I mean, Microsoft, for sure, um, I think just really because of the index effect, you know, it's more than 5% of the S&P. It could actually have something to say about whether uh, the market breaks high or at least cosmetically. I'm not sure it's waiting for Microsoft in terms of any kind of macro insight as a bellwether. Uh, you know, we've heard from 3M, Johnson & Johnson up and down, and earnings have been soft. But the market went down 25 percent last year when earnings were at a record. So I think you have uh, we're kind of caught in between the leads and the lags, both in terms of how earnings are coming through, how the market has already digested some things. And then, in fact, whether there's other shoes to drop. Everyone is very, very convinced about the recession being just ahead of us uh, is focused on those supposed leading indicators, the survey-based stuff, the ISM stuff, the home builder sentiment, uh, and, of course, the yield curve. Uh, that have supposedly never failed. That's true. Sometimes it's not timely. Maybe we're in a weird cycle. So I think that's the the moment we're caught in. And of course, once we get past Microsoft and the rest of the the numbers, we got PCE Friday and the Fed Wednesday. I mean, so you, plenty you, to wait for. You got Texas Instruments in overtime tonight too. Uh, sure. Important and Tesla. What? That's tomorrow. So you know, given yes. what that stock and those types of stocks have done, that feels important to me too. Everything's important. I think if you want to step back a little bit and say what you mostly want from earnings season is just, as I said the other day, to hold serve. In other words, not give up too much ground, not make it seem like things are accelerating to the downside. I think that's enough probably for the market at this point. You've seen all the technical stuff look better. This kind of waves of demand wash over the market. The, the breath numbers are good. Now, it's hard to separate that from a typical January after a really bad year. So that's why I think uh, we're, we're sort of stopping short of saying anything conclusive has happened to the upside. All right. I'll see you in a few hours. We'll see uh, what yeah. happens with Microsoft. We'll talk on the other side of that for sure. That's Mike Santoli. Grade My Trade is next. Send us an email. Ask halftime at CNBC.com. Tweet us. We're back right after this. Time for Grade My Trade. Josh, you're up first from Dory in Waikiki, Hawaii. Aloha from Hawaii. I love the product and the business model of Dutch Bros. What are your thoughts right now? So for me, this is really simple. This is a regional story that's going national, perhaps international at some point. And when you own those in the relatively early stages of that hockey stick-like growth pattern, Ultimately, you do well. Stock's been very volatile over the last year with all of the other growth stocks. But I think it's finally found its footing. I'm long. I hope it works out for myself and wishing you the best. All right. Farmer Jim from David on CVS bought at $74.33 and more at $56.90. Continue to hold, trim, or sell. What do you think? Yeah, so I own it. <clears throat> I would add to it, and you may actually see some announcements of that here in the next few weeks. Um, look, the stock has been hit hard recently with the entire sector, uh, but this is a very valuable company. The demographics support uh, continued demand on the top line. It's very well run, and it's very cheap. 
All right, Steve Weiss uh, from Donald in Goodyear, Arizona. I purchased 1,000 shares of Porsche, average price 8 bucks. Should I hold long-term and add to my position? What do you think? Well, first of all, I'd say I'm probably the worst one to ask on this because I'd completely screwed up the whole investment and stayed way too long. The thesis played out, stock price didn't. So I don't know what to tell you to do, except here's what I'd give you covered with. Number one, they continue to sell so many hybrids, so many EVs in terms of what they have with Taycan that the order book is there, and I think it's more recession-resistant than a normal auto company. So I like it. Uh, however, they've missed some targets in terms of the overall Volkswagen uh, picture. So I think there's less downside, uh, but I just don't know how much upside you have in it. Why does the stock trade three times earnings? What's wrong with it? Yeah, I mean, that was part of my thesis. And Volkswagen, four times earnings? Frank, I, I don't understand. It should all go private if, the, if that's the valuation. Well, particular, particularly when you take a look at what Europe's done overall as a market, yeah. how has this been left behind so much? The answer is I, I just can't figure it out. All right. Appreciate all the trades and keep them coming as well. We'll step away. We'll do final trades next. Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Look for us in your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now. Up 4 o'clock Eastern, you know what's coming. Microsoft Earnings, Texas Instruments 2, Joe T. He owns both. Mark Newton has a new note, just dropped a little while ago. He's joining us well. And Mike Wilson from Morgan Stanley. Mike Wilson. We're going to test him on his view of this market, see what he thinks now, especially after those earnings come down. So I hope you all join me then. Let's do final trades. Liz Young, you are up first. What I want to say is buy the two-year treasury, but I've said that before. Again? I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm admitting it. I, I said it. Three-year treasury it now. I bought some yesterday. <laughs> two and a half. Do a two, two and, and a half. Two and a half your treasury? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> buy a short-term treasury. So I'm not going to say that because I've done it before. You've heard okay. me say it. And I'm going to get yelled at for being too defensive. So. If you must be in the market, equal weighted S&P. I don't think the big guys are the ones that get us out of this. I think that they're going to feel pain as we go through earnings season and they announce bad guidance. And I don't think tech earnings are going to go well. So equal weighted, get some other stuff in there. Oh, you're so negative. <laughs> Farmer Jim. Um, I just think it's time to acknowledge that Citigroup is having a very good year, uh, good month, outstripping the sector. It's been undervalued for a long time, and I think it's finally breaking out. Mr. Vineyard. Vine. Attaboy. All right. Do I have a whale of a stock for you? I got it. All right. Uh, Live Nation, as both sides of the aisle scream at the company uh, for camera time and sound bites, and because people hate high ticket prices, the stock price uh, in reality is actually going up today. Every four years they do this. It's like the Olympics, and nobody even cares afterward. This will be the same. I think Live Nation's business model will remain intact, and the stock will work. 77 bucks right now. Uh, for me, way too cheap. Okay. And Stephen Weiss. Chevron. Um, I added to it, actually, uh, the Good. end of last week. Right. And uh, I just think it looks, uh, the chart looks great here. I'm sure you'd agree. Okay. And China opening is going to help. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you in the OT. Exchanges now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. 
with a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.